Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, all the way from Israel, we have Litan Yahav. He is a Navy veteran and tech founder who has exited his last startup eight years ago and started passively investing in real estate and private equity. He's invested as a limited partner in over 30 deals with various operators and has a passion for generating passive income through real estate. This led him to build a new startup, Visor, for automating the management and control of these types of investments in order to keep passive investing passive. Latan, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the show. And how are you doing? Thanks. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on the show. Latan, can you share a little bit more about your background and how you got started with the real estate with us, please? Yeah, for sure. So personal background. So I'm 40 years old, married, have three kids, Navy for six years. And then after that, went to school, studied law and business and started a startup 12 years ago, which went well and sold it back in 2015, made some money, didn't make tens of millions, but made enough. And at that point, me and my co-founder decided to manage our money on our own. And we really had a passion for real estate, but we didn't really know where to begin. We just Here in Israel, everyone knows someone who does real estate abroad. And we found people we can trust. And through that, did first two investments into single family sort of long-term rentals in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, which turned out to be a lot of work, even though we didn't even footstep. Like we did not set foot in, in any of those, in either of the properties, we never even reached Cleveland. It was all sort of remote. It was still a lot of work for us. Just like tenants with issues with tenants and property management companies calling us all the time with issues and municipalities and wanting us to pay them money for stuff that didn't make any sense. Just a lot of work. And for the rest of that point, while doing that time at the same time, we also began investing in real estate syndications, again, through other people we knew. Just like for us, it was finding people we can trust. And while doing both of those, this, these two active single family homes and just putting a few checks in some syndications, like, wow, the syndications are making better returns. We're not doing anything. I'm just sitting and it's like, why would I want to continue that? And so since that moment, we just decided to do only truly passive real estate investing through those syndications. Have done, like you mentioned, about 30 something deals over the past eight years since that exit. Learned a lot of lessons, made some mistakes. Touch wood, we haven't lost money in the syndications yet. We have lost money in those two active real estate investments, which we only got rid of like a year ago. But that sort of led us to building this portfolio of a lot of LP positions in real estate syndications, private equity, some startups, crypto and all that. And about three years ago, decided to replace our broken spreadsheets with a piece of software we built for ourselves to automate the whole process of tracking those investments understanding cash flow, reconciliation of all our transactions into one place. And then a bunch of friends wanted as well. We're like, well, there might be a whole new business here. And so we found Advisor a little more than two years ago, which is basically a platform for helping people like us manage our wealth. So that's like a quick overview of my background and my passion for passive investing in real estate. So you did all of this while abroad internationally, but you primarily invest in real estate in the United States. 
Yeah, so it's almost everything in the U.S., some in Europe. I also have one apartment that I own here in Israel that I rent, like a long-term rental. But I'm selling that now as well, just so I can get some more cash to take advantage of the opportunities that will come up during the upcoming year, I think. So I'm curious, especially when you first started with getting into syndications, how did you first find the sponsors you wanted to work with? And how did you start to expand that network that you had to look for different opportunities and get involved in those? That's the most difficult question and answer. And I think the whole realm of investing as LPs and passive real estate via syndications, because for me, at least, it's always been about the people I invest with. It's never been about the geography, the like the type of asset class, even for me. It's all, let's find people I can trust. And then if the numbers match my strategy, then we're in. And this might sound a little stupid, but for us, like in finding those people we can trust, first and foremost, the easiest way was either good friends of mine or good friends of good friends of mine, just because I know they're not going to screw me. They might not be the most experienced operators with like 10, 15 years of operating experience. But at least I know that when I ask them a question, they're going to tell me the truth. They're going to do anything they can to make sure I don't lose money and I'll make as much as I can on top of it. And so that's like the main aspect of finding people. And the cool thing in Israel is that many, many people do that. And so it was relatively easy to find people. But then as we grew and we started to allocate and diversify across different operators, we sort of reached the limit of the people we know and trust here. And the, the funny thing is, why would I want to invest with an Israeli who does real estate in the States if I can find an operator, an American operator who does real estate in the States, I'll just invest with them as an LP. And so that was just like a lot of research, podcasts, reading online. I joined a few mastermind groups. One of them is called Go Abundance, which is sort of, it's one of those groups where everyone there does this like wealth creation mindset. And then there was a very high level of, I felt the quality and integrity within the group. And so I felt comfortable trusting some of those people and investing with them as well. And from then sort of now that we're already sort of pretty sort of well-connected within the industry, there are a lot of operators that I, f- I feel that I can trust them now. Now it's a matter of the market and the numbers if they match. And there have been a lot of things that happened over the past few years that will not happen in the next few years, I think. So for you, because you've had so much experience investing in several different sponsors across several different markets, what are the ones that have really stood out for you as a passive investor? And what are some of the aspects of those investments or sponsors that maybe fell a little bit short of your expectations? Yeah, that's another good question. So here's the thing. First of all, I don't know if it fell below my expectations, just that there are things that I, I wish I knew beforehand, not because they're good or bad, just because they were important questions that we should have asked and we didn't just to know where we're at. One of them, and this is again, not a good or bad thing because everyone has their advantages is understanding the person, the company I'm investing with, and their position within this sort of value chain or ecosystem of syndications, right? Because there are the operators, and then there's syndicators or sponsors, and sometimes they're the same people, but sometimes they're different. And just understanding like, all right, this is a fundraiser, and it's fine, they're going to help me vet the operator, but they're not the person that are getting, that are actually the ones that are finding the deals. And again, it's fine, just that I want to know the difference. And I didn't know the difference at the beginning. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm investing with this person. They're doing everything. But then then after what I find out that, no, wait, they're not the people that are actually getting the job done. They're 
a middleman. And it's fine. I want to know that. I want to add. And so I know who I'm investing with and who I should bet. Um, that's one thing that we've learned over that period. Another thing is, and this is an experience that it was a good problem to have, but it was an experience that helped us learn a little, which was the whole deal around refinance. I don't know. Do you want me to go over sort of like the what these deals look like? Or is that something that you feel like? Yeah, let's go over some of these deals, a little bit of the insight so we can get a little bit better picture and understanding and people can kind of apply it to themselves also in their situations. So just like a general structure of these types of syndication deals, right? So there's a syndication overall is just a group of people that get together and buy something, right? It can be investing in a startup or buying a piece of property. And in this syndication, usually there's going to be two main types of people. There's the general partner of the syndication. Those are the people that are in charge of finding the deals, vetting the deals. They get part of the ongoing income. They get a part of the profit. They don't necessarily put money into the deal. Hopefully they will, but that's usually, I mean, it depends. And then there are the limited partners. By the way, the general partners are also the ones usually that are signed on a lot of the, the liabilities, the documents, the loans and stuff like that. The limited partners, people like us, are just people that put in the money. And so that group gets together and then the general partner goes and finds a deal and closes it. And the limited partner brings in the capital. And then that's how it works. You can put $25,000, dollars $100,000 minimum usually in these deals. And then what happens is you're basically partnering in this, the acquisition of a specific type of property. Let's take a multifamily value add type deal, which means you buy a piece of multifamily real estate. And the idea is to value, add value to it, renovate the common spaces, renovate the apartments, increase rents. And then those deals usually work in a way where as a limited partner, I'll get some sort of ongoing cash on cash return throughout the year, usually every quarter, sometimes every month. And then after five, seven years, the whole syndication goes and exits, sells a property. And then there's a split in the profits. Now, what happens during that period varies, but many times what used to happen was when they increase the value of the property, then they can go back to the bank and take out another loan and refinance the property and then pay back some of the capital the LPs put in. And then there's like a lot of things that can happen at that point. So did that make sense or is anything you want to add there? Yes. No, that makes sense. All right, cool. And so when you invest these 50000 or 100000 just to make the numbers easy, let's say you put 100000 in and you're supposed to get 8% cash on cash return every year, which is $8,000. But then what happens if there's a refinance after two years, and then out of the hundred, you get $70,000 back. What now happens with your remaining capital? And how are the distributions now calculated? Are they calculated? Are you supposed to receive? And I've seen so many different ways that GPs structure these types of situations. None of them, and there's no right or wrong here, right? There's just understanding that before you go in. Because even now when I ask that question, I'll, the answer I'll get from some GPs might be like totally irrelevant, which means, wait, have you planned on this? It's all right if you don't just start tell me you didn't plan on it and fine, go look. I mean, but tell me the truth. Don't bullshit me, right? And so, so anyway, that those like you usually see the responses of the operators you speak with around those types of questions. That's one about refinance. The second thing about refinance is sort of right. Refinance usually occurs one, if you increase the value of the property. Two, if the rates are better than they were when you went in. Now, I don't know about these two aspects moving forward over the next year or two when we're hitting a recession, when things are going down, rates are going up. I mean, it really depends now. So you won't be able to compare apples to apples as to what happened the year ago and what's going to happen in the next year. 
And so right now, when I invest into this syndication, I usually won't take into account any type of refinance event. And if our GP offers or says there's going to be a refinance event, usually that sort of is a, I don't say it's impossible. It's just like, that's a, like a, not even a red flag, but it's an orange flag just to check and double down on it. So that's like quick overview on that. Hope that yeah. makes sense. No, definitely. Because with the refinance option, you definitely want to understand where your position is once you get your return of capital back. And is your position going to remain the same? And are you still going to be making the same returns? Or does that diminish going forward now that you've gotten your capital back? And so getting an understanding of that as a limited partner and how you fall into place if a capital event like this happens is super important. Exactly. So... I need to ask you, Latan, as well, because you've invested in so many different deals as well. And you get to a certain point where it's difficult to manage all the returns, keeping track of all your different types of investments, which led you to found your company right now, Visor. So talk to me a little bit about how that kind of came about. What kind of metrics were you looking for as a passive investor? And how are you managing it all in a consolidated, easily manageable format now? Yeah. So I'll start by saying these are good problems to have. Just important to get that out of the way because they are good problems to have. But I'll explain some situations that we encounter that for us, we're like, I mean, we want to be passive, but this is becoming a full-time job. And what I mean by that is I get emails from operators every quarter, every month saying, all right, this month or this quarter, you are going to receive this and this type of distribution. And me and my co-founder will look at each other and say, wait, shit, how much have we even invest in this deal? Is this what we expected? Are we on track? And even if we remembered at that point, a week or so later, we're going to get a distribution to our bank account. And then the whole process starts over. Right? Wait, there's money... Where did this come? Like, what? And not to talk about tax season when I have to file my, it, it just became a mess. Not to mention, you know, when you commit to investing in deals from a capital call perspective. So you can, you say, all right, yeah, I mean, in, over the next two years, I'll invest this amount of money into this private equity firm or this real estate firm. And even remembering how much out of what I committed has already been invested, it just became a mess. And so for us, it was like, all right, it doesn't make sense for me to pay someone tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands a year someone to do this for me if I can just build a piece of software that does it for us. And that's what we did. And so that's what led us to building Visor, just to automate those processes in addition to everything else we have. So like integrating our brokerage accounts as well, all our cash accounts, because we have multiple bank accounts because for different entities or for different types of like financial aspects of our lives. And so I wanted everything in one place to have the one source of truth. And so that's the essence around Visor. So basically, now when I get an email from an operator, Visor is already CC'd on that email, or I can just forward it to Visor. And then Visor will analyze it, extract the relevant data, input it into the platform, and then link in my bank account and identify transactions in my bank account automatically linking them to an investment so that everything's tracked. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. 
A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Interesting. So it takes the email distributions that the operators are sending to you on a weekly, a quarterly basis. And without you having to manually read through everything and gather the main important parts for the distributions and certain events and things like that, it'll automatically extract that details, pop it into the system tool for you so that it's all easily consolidated in one place. And then what about like the projected returns? Is that something that you input initially when you first set it up as a, when you first set up the tool and with a new investment? Yeah. So, so when I sign the investment docs, they're going to usually have some sort of pref, like preferred return within them, or I'll just like email it to Visor and then it'll just set up that asset, that holding with the projected returns. And then we'll automatically detect, well, you're on track under this distribution you were supposed to receive, never reached your bank account, or you never received an update or raise a flag, you're underperforming, or even if you're overperforming. But the cool thing about this projection side as well is sort of understanding my cash position today and how my holistic cash position will look in the future based on all my expectations, right? Because those of us that are still in wealth creation mode, I want to make sure my cash is deployed and or at least if it's sitting in the bank, I want to make sure I'm looking for places to deploy it so that it's always sort of out there working for me. Got it. Oh, that's really awesome because, yeah, as you start to invest more and more syndications, it's hard to remember, especially if you're in a year or two years in, to remember all these little details and where they're all coming from. But to have everything kind of automatically pulled it in, it takes less brain power for you to remember and to go back and manually input things if things can automatically be pulled in for you through an automated system like this. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's not just for syndications, right? It's for every type of investment as well. It can be an angel investment into a startup. It could be a rental property you own because at the end of the day, these things have two main aspects, right? The value, the net asset value, because you can also link in loans to the platform and project loan payments and stuff like that. But then cash flow is also important. And that's relevant for every type of investment you own. And it's really important to understand what your situation is today what it was in the past and what it'll look in the future holistic. And that's what we're focused on. So talking about the future and predictions and kind of like where things are heading as a passive investor yourself, what is your investment strategy looking like now going forward in the near future, upcoming years? And has that strategy changed at all? I think the expectations have changed for sure. I think now is sort of the time to look for really good opportunities that will exist because of the recession and things that will sort of be lower value than they were in the past. And sort of a lot more, I'd say, patience, because it will take time for this to get back to some type of normal. So for me, it's sitting on gathering cash and looking for those opportunities with the people I trust to invest with. And are you focused on specific asset classes as well? Or is that shifting to diversifying, more diversification? So I really believe in diversification, but I believe more in 
finding people I can trust. So it, that's more important for me. If I find people I can trust in a diversified asset class that I'm not in yet, that's a win-win, but it's harder to find. So I just got referred to by someone who does farmland syndication. And that's really interesting because I'm not in that asset class at all. And I think farmland is one of those asset classes that has the potential to be sort of macroeconomic agnostic to some extent. I also think multifamily is pretty much in that realm as well in terms of like rent. BC class properties also tend to be agnostic to market conditions as opposed to class A or other types of asset classes. Storage is also something I'm in, but not because I have any sort of like appetite for storage. Again, because I found an operator that I trust and there was a deal. And so I just invested in the deal that made sense. So to your question, I don't know, say over the next year or two, what will be the asset classes that will be more interesting or not, which will be more financially beneficial or not. No one really knows. And for sure, I don't for sure. I'm not a financial professional, right? I'm just a tech guy who sold a company, made some money and have been investing that money for the past eight years and learned some stuff about what I like and what I don't like and what I know and what I don't know. So that's about that. So how has real estate investing impacted your life? So I think the passive income from it is the main impact from passive real estate investing. The concept that you can generate really good returns with less effort than people think. Yes, you need a little more initial capital to do so because you need to be an accredited investor and because not always, but usually you need to be an accredited investor and you need to put like minimum check sizes. But if you can afford those two, I think from a passive versus risk return, I think it's uncomparable. And I think it's really, for me, it was a really eye-opening lesson for investing in general. And if there was one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? Active investing is just really active or like single family and that type of stuff is just really active. But, you know, I'll refine that. When you invest in a single door, there is a lot of risk. There might be return, but there's a lot of risk. When you invest in 200 doors at once with the same check size, then it just makes so much more sense for me. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? Patience, for sure. Latan, where is the best place our listeners can find out more about what you are doing in this space? So I'm pretty reactive on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Latan Yahav, pretty easy to find out many people with that name. You can also check me out at advisor, vyzer.co or Latan advisor.co, my email. And I'm happy to answer help wherever I can. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of everything that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much, Eitan. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. 
Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.